Ever wonder what it would be like? I'm serious. Ever wonder what it would be like? You know what? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. I was in Kansas City a couple times over the past few weeks to cover football. And anyone who's familiar with the layout of their stadium complex there knows that Arrowhead Stadium is right next to Kauffman Stadium where the Royals play. And the Chiefs and the Royals are virtually inseparable, not just for that reason, but for a bunch of reasons, to that community. They love the Chiefs. They love the Royals. The difference is they have almost no hope for the Royals. And I'm not saying this based on a supposition. I'm saying this based on talking to a number of people out there. Even though the Royals just won a World Series in 2015, and even though the Royals parade for that championship was unlike anything the sport of baseball had seen in a long time. I'm talking an unimaginable crowd that topped a million people flooding their downtown. That hope is all but gone. The way it was put to me is, look, we know we had our blip. We had our, we had our moment. We enjoyed it. And now we're just going to kind of sit back and take our place again. The Royals, of course, won a World Series in 1985. And then this one in 2015. And I guess now the thinking is, in another 30 years, they'll have another parade. That's just what's happened. At least, again, according to these people that I talked to out there. And that got me thinking what it'd be like here. You know, uh, there would be exhilaration, I believe, unlike anything we would see for any of Pittsburgh's three teams, not because the Pirates are more beloved or anything weird like that, but because it would just be so strange. It'd be such a novelty. You would treat it the way uh, a number 16 seed would beating a number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament. You know what I mean? Where it's just so precious that you want to seize every single aspect of it as it's occurring in a way that you really can't replicate by having your team be a, a favorite or an annual contender. This would be different. This would be blackout on Barry Bonds' steroids, you know? It'd be a full month of blackout, and the bandwagon would be overflowing, overflowing. In a way, honestly, and this is from a born-and-bred lifer, I can't even picture it. I can't. I, I can't picture it. And I think that's part of what really hurts baseball in our city. The hope component has been gone for such a long time. And even, even in those years, those three years 
where the Pirates made the playoffs. Once the realization hit in that the wildcard format was going to be so unforgiving that unless your ace was able to beat their ace in a one in a million shot, you weren't even going to get to participate in the real playoffs, the ones that involve a best of something. And that, in a way, even further sucked the hope out of the process. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. What's the hope now? You see a player or two or three that you like on the roster, and a year or two later, especially if you're a casual fan and and don't follow all the intricacies of why a move might be made or not, poof, that player's gone. And you bought a jersey for your kid or for yourself or whatever of a certain guy, and you feel like a fool. You feel like a, like a dope, like you, you were tricked. A big win will happen. A modest winning streak of some kind will happen. A player, a young player, will go on a little bit of a run. You know, Rodolfo Castro's five home runs. And you'll, you'll, you'll invest just a little bit. And it'll all just come crashing down on you within, I don't know, a day or two. And then on top of that, there's the owner. For most people, the lack of hope begins and ends with Bob Nutting. They believe, not without cause, that as long as he's the owner or that he's the owner within this economic system or however you'd care to extrapolate it, this team's not going to go anywhere. And when you don't have hope, when you don't have hope, it's hard to even have fans. You have to start doing some of the things that those fans, the ones that are the super diehards that check all the prospect lists and everything else, you have to start doing some of that. You have to start attaching hope to players you don't even see, you know, to players who are years away from being in Pittsburgh, presuming they ever make it at all. You start looking at 16-year-olds in the Dominican Republic and projecting, well, if they do this and they do that, and this is what the 2025 lineup could look like. And they, those fans, and I know because I deal with them too, they can maintain hope into perpetuity because hope to them is constantly this sea of Slightly changing prospect lists year after year after year. If you're waiting for some big cogent point here, it's not going to come. And that actually is the point. Because I could keep citing examples of this into infinity. And it's, it's debilitating. Uh, it's deflating. And it makes you wonder what the hell you're doing following this franchise. But here's the funny thing about 
six minutes ago, you made the decision to press play on this podcast that said Daily Shot of Pirates and something, something, something impossible. Well, maybe it is impossible. But I've also experienced in the past, and this goes in the distant past, that when there's a group of fans who see something is just totally hopeless, and I'm referring to the Pittsburgh Penguins of the early 1980s, with the Civic Arena being a quarter full, losing 80% of their games, constantly operating under the worst ownership, and under the threat that they'll relocate with other cities, constantly placing feelers about how they can buy your franchise. And then one day a certain player was drafted and things changed. And when they did, when they did after Mario Lemieux's arrival and seven years later, that franchise won it all and was at the top of the mountain. It was, for people in this city, very similar to the hypothetical moments that I was describing earlier. It was so over the top, so outlandish, that only the people who had stuck through it, who had stuck through the worst of the worst of the worst times, were the ones that could really, really, really appreciate it. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Bob, who asks, in regards to yesterday's show, why no mention of Jim Leland as a potential future Hall of Famer to come from the Pirates. Bob, I can do that. I can throw out any number of names that the Veterans Committee uh, could consider down the road. But honestly, Danny Murtaugh's credentials exceed those of Leland. And I say that as someone who loves Jim Leland and respects him uh, immeasurably. But Murtaugh had two World Series championships in Pittsburgh. Murtaugh was the one who filled out the first ever all-minority lineup. Uh, Murtaugh has wins and losses commensurate with a lot of the managers who are currently in the hall. I was disappointed, as I know the Murtaugh family was as well, that he only received three votes out of the possible 15 in this past election that was conducted just a couple of months ago. And I would hope that over time, his case will only further be solidified in their minds. I was really disappointed that it happened, though, this time with so many players under Murtaugh's watch publicly speaking up for him with written pieces, not least of whom were Bill Mazeroski, Elroy Face, 
Steve Blass, Al Oliver, Manny Sangian, a, a lot of others. And, you know, time passes and we lose members of these championship teams. The Pirates lost Gene Kleins, a member of that all-minority lineup, just yesterday. And I thought it would have been really fitting that theoretically it would have been those older players who would have helped push Murtaugh across that finish line. Uh, it wasn't his time. I can't begin to know what the Veterans Committee thinking was in having such a low vote total in Murtaugh's favor. Everyone complains about writers voting. At least writers, for the most part, explain their votes. When it happens with these veteran committees and so forth, you have no clue. You don't even know their names. It's just, you know, it just shows up one day and that's the end of it. Where Leland is concerned, yeah, he he did some terrific things in Pittsburgh, but he also won three division championships and lost three league championship series. Uh, he did win a World Series after leaving. You know, a lot of people looked at that first World Series that he won with the Marlins, ironically now considering the Marlins' economic status <laughs> currently, uh, because Wayne Huizenga bought the championship. But that hopefully answers your question as to why I didn't include Leland in there. It's not out of disrespect. It's just if you're going to start getting into managers and general managers and executives and so forth, uh, builders of the game, the Pirates have greater wrongs to right with the Hall of Fame than, than anything related to Jim Leland. Heck, it, it was only a few years ago that the Hall of Fame finally included Barney Dreyfus, which is uh, pathetic that it took that long. The guy pretty much invented the World Series, the original owner of the Pirates, not to mention having been the guy that put together the best teams that this city has ever seen in any sport over a sustained period. And yes, I'm including the Steelers of the 1970s when I say that. So these are always, you know, fun and interesting debates and so forth. But yeah, that was, that was it as it relates to Leland. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Please don't take it as a poke or a jab when I say stuff like I did in the opening segment about how you were the one who pressed play. I respect that you're coming here. Okay, I'm one of those people who happens to be interested and invested in the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. I have been throughout my life. I do it now as a journalist. I did it before that as exactly one of you. I know what it's like, and I admire like crazy that you're here listening to this. Let's do another one Monday.